Hello, everyone. I'm Sanjay Prajapati. Thank you so much for joining us today for our Destined for Torah broadcast. This is the first teaching in the series that I have entitled Becoming a Royal and Assuming Your Role as a Royal in the Tapestry of Creation. How many of you, you know, I want you to know that God's word is so filled with treasures. I mean, it's so full of so much, I mean, just so full. And we are going to spend an eternity learning God's word. We're never going to exhaust learning the Bible. We're never going to exhaust it. God's word is absolutely endless. It's just, it's, and we're, every time I open God's word, I receive a new revelation. Every time I open God's word, God has a message for me. And I, I believe that's the same for, for many of you as well, because God is always speaking. He never stops speaking. And everything in God's word is relevant and pertinent to your destiny, to your life, to your lifestyle, to every single aspect of life. And my goal in, in teaching these services and sharing God's word is with you is because I'm teaching myself as I'm, as I'm sharing with all of you and as I'm sharing my heart is our goal should be transformed, should be to be transformed into God's image. And, and, and our goal should not be to transform God into what we think he should be to us, but rather we should die to ourselves, crucify our flesh, and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of God. Amen? Because in, in, in Genesis it reads, in the beginning God created the, the, in it, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's not only speaking about the physical creation and the creation of heaven, but it also speaks about our creation as well. And when, and when God said, let us make man in our image, what God is saying is that what we are always being continually formed into God's image. Every time we receive God's word, every time we go through a fiery test in life, every time, you know, as we experience life, uh, we are being transformed into God's image because every one of you is uniquely made in God's image. Every one of you has a particular design. I'm not a, a, you know, I'm not a carbon copy of anybody else. You're not a carbon, com carbon copy of, of anyone else either, but every one of us is unique and God has a special purpose for you. God has special gifts. God has given you prophetic gifts. God has given you gifts in the natural. God has given you professions, occupations, businesses, in, and every one of you is uniquely made in God's image and God has positioned you in different places in life because he's going to use you amen and in this book i wanted to highlight in, in this book entitled becoming a royal again it's subtitled assuming your role as a royal in the tapestry of creation you will come to know who you are in christ jesus and to see yourself as a royal in the preface of this book i begin with a question and the question is what type of royal are you and what I want you to know, and I want you to ponder that question because in Christ Jesus, because every one of you is part of God's kingdom on earth. We are part of the kingdom of God. When you read through the gospels and read, read many of Jesus' parables, many of his parables are about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, or it's also known as the kingdom of heaven, is not something that we experience after we die and go to heaven. It, it's not something that takes place in the afterlife. It's something that we live and experience right now. And if you look at the first century church in the book of Acts, they operated in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And that's something that's missing in our generation, especially in the 21st century. And I, I truly believe and know it with my entire being that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the full power that God ordained the church to walk in is coming back to the body of Christ. 
And that means you are going to see the lame walk. That means you are going to see the blind see. You amen. are going to, amen. You are going to see conversions like you've never seen before. You're going to see things, you're going to see miracles take place that we have not seen in many, many years. I remember sitting in services where I saw limbs grow out and, and saw the blind see. And I truly believe that these gifts are going to return, but even more so, because I truly believe that we are going to see the, the, the church of the book of Acts in full operation in these end of days. And part of that requires that we know who we are in Christ Jesus. See, one of the works of the devil, one of the works of Satan is to cause us not to see who we are in him. And the reason why the son of God was manifested, the re one of the reasons why Jesus was crucified on the cross, the reason why he offered that, why he shed his blood on that cross was so that he could destroy the works of the devil. And that means every work of the devil is destroyed in the earth, it's destroyed in our lives, it's destroyed in our destinies, and that we are gonna move forward and possess all the promises of God in our lives, amen? And so what type of royal are you? And I want you to know that you are all called to royalty. I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I ask uh, anyone that's in, live in the room tonight, if you could actually post the scriptures and I'm using the RSV translation tonight. And it reads, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own chosen people, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's who you are in God. You are a royal priesthood. You know, the, the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they came to the foot of Mount Sinai and they received the Ten Commandments and God spoke to the Israelites with his own raw voice from the top of Mount Sinai. At that very instant in time, at the very first Pentecost, on the Hebrew day, on the Hebrew feast day known as Shavuot, in Greek it's called Pentecost. That was the day in which the nation of Israel was born. And then if you scroll forward in time to the, the, the day we call Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the 120 were assembled in the upper room and they were praying for 10 days, 10, for 10 days. And on the 50th day, which is Pentecost, that's 50 days since Jesus, uh, since Jesus' resurrection. And on that 50th day, the Holy Spirit descended in the upper room and fell upon every individual with a cloven tongue of fire. And that was the day in which the Church of Jesus Christ was born. So that Pentecost is the very anniversary of the Israelites becoming a nation at the foot of Mount Sinai. None of this is coincidence. All of this is divine providence. In one of our future services, I will talk about, the, about God's calendar and con compare and contrast it to our natural calendars. So, but tonight, I, I really want to keep the focus on royalty and to know that every one of you is, is part of God's tapestry of creation. All of you is, is called to operate in the fullness in, of God, in God's kingdom. And to know that you are considered royalty in the kingdom of God. You may not be royalty on earth, but you are royalty in the kingdom of heaven. And, and, you, and you will operate in the kingdom of heaven right here on the earth in this lifetime. And the Bible is full of royal figures and every royal family had its style of establishing royalty in their, in their respective dynasties. For example, if you look at the kingdom of King Saul, who goes all the way back to Rachel, that bloodline was royalty. 
but it was a bloodline that was more reserved. They were more conservative. And, and I often compare King Saul's bloodline to that of Queen Elizabeth II in, in England. And then we can contrast King Saul's bloodline to King David, and King David, his, his bloodline goes all the way back to Leah. And, 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 Le and King David's bloodline was known for, one of the main characteristics was that this bloodline was known for taking responsibility. So, you, you know, you, you've heard the saying, I, uh, uh, am I, am I, when, when Cain complained to God and said, he asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer should be, yes, you are your brother's keeper. That's exactly what David was. And we see this with David. We see this with his ancestor, Judah. This bloodline was known for taking responsibility for someone else. And this is one reason why Christ Jesus is of the bloodline that goes all the way back through King David, all the way back to Judah. And you'll see this characteristic of taking responsibility. In Hebrew, it's the word arevut. And this bloodline took responsibility for somebody else. And so you're seeing two different philosophies, two different characteristics of royalty, but you need to understand this in order to understand some of the concepts and some of the behavior that we see in Jesus that we see in David, that we see in King Saul, that we see in Esther, because, uh, because th their attributes, their personality, and the way they behave takes, it really ties back to the matriarchs of Israel, whether it's Leah or Rachel, because the two primary wives of Jacob, and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, and so Jacob's primary wives were Leah and Rachel, and David descended from Rachel, I mean, from Leah, and King Saul descended from Rachel. And we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks as well. But uh, what I want, the takeaway from this part of the teaching, this preface is, each house of royalty had its own unique protocols. And Jesus descended from the royal bloodline of Judah. And you'll gain, you'll gain a greater appreciation for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as you understand the royalty in his bloodline, because Jesus took responsibility for all of my, mankind. When he was crucified on that cross and he took, upon, he, he took upon himself the sins of the world, he did not take on just the sins of the Jewish population, but he took upon himself the sins of the entire Gentile population as well. And so, so upon, upon the cross, he bore the sins of all of mankind, both male and female. And one of the things that puts us as a disadvantage, because I believe most of us here in the line tonight are, 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 are American or you know, have, have grown up in the United States. And um, I mean, I was born in England, but I was very young when we moved to America. So I, I have you know, hardly no exposure to royalty. But if you were to speak about royalty to someone in the UK, they would have a strong appreciation for royalty. And the Brits have a strong appreciation for, 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 the, for the monarchy in England. In American culture, we are not exposed to royalty, and many of us, many of us in, in American culture, look down upon the concept of royalty, and that puts us as a disadvantage when we study the Bible, and because the Bible is filled with the royalty, the Bible is filled with royal concepts and protocols, and and we and we serve a God who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So whether you know it or not, you are 
part of a bloodline of royalty because you are grafted into the vine. You are grafted into Christ Jesus, and we have become the royal subjects of Jesus. Amen? So we're part of his kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. And so the reason why I share this with you is, is I, I really want you to come to appreciate royalty and to accept your role as a royal in the tapestry of, of God's creation, because you are becoming a royal. And the more like Christ Jesus you become, the more like royalty you're gonna become. And so I wanna give you a, a couple examples here. And I, don't, I do not know if we'll get past the preface tonight. I don't know if we'll get to chapter one. I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in the way he chooses to lead us this evening. Is um, when you read the books of Isaiah and Ezekiel, these are two prophets that had different perspectives of royalty. And I'm going to say that we're more like the, we're more like Ezekiel. And I'll say people from the nations that have royal, that have a monarchy are, would, would identify with Isaiah more. And I would say for myself personally, I would say that I identify with Ezekiel more because both prophets had a different perspective of royalty. And the reason is in the way it is because of their background. For example, Isaiah dwelt in Jerusalem during, during the days when there were kings in Israel, especially in, in Judah. So, so he, had a strong, he, he saw the kings. He saw the king coming through the gates. He saw royalty in action. He saw the entourage of the king. He saw the operation of the protocols of royalty in full, in full, in, 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 in he saw, he saw it all life. And, but, and so when, when, when Isaiah saw a vision of God's heavenly chariot, and he saw the seraphim, the cherubim, he saw the Messiah on, on the chariot, he saw the large wheels surrounding the chariot, what he, he, he was able to share his vision and, and compare it to what he already knew by being a dweller in Jerusalem. In contrast, Ezekiel was considered a distant villager who was not accustomed to royalty. So he received the vision of, he received the same royal vision that Isaiah received from God, but he gives way more detail in his prophecy. You know, if you look at Ezekiel chapter one and compare and contrast it to Isaiah chapter six, you, you will notice that Ezekiel gives way more detail than Isaiah. And the reason is, is because the vision of royal, the concept of royalty was, was unfamiliar, unfamiliar to Ezekiel. So he had to use many more words to describe what he was seeing. So he, he, gives, he gives much elaboration on the, the details of the vision. Whereas Isaiah was accustomed to royalty. He was accustomed to royal protocol. He lived in the, you know, he lived in the city. He knew, so he didn't feel like he needed to, to spend much time explaining royal concepts because it was part of his, his, his upbringing. It wasn't new to him. And so what you'll see as, I'm, as I wrote this book, I, 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 I probably give a painstaking amount of detail because these concepts are nearer to me. But if this same book was written by someone that grew up in England, they, they would probably less detail would be given because the audience would be used to royal concepts. So in this book, my goal is to, is to expose some meticulous details into insights of royal protocols, because first of all, they're uncommon to us. And secondly, I want you to understand the precepts of royalty that are embedded in God's word. 
So as, as I take you through the Bible, and of course, I'm not taking you through the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation, but what you will find is, um, and, you know, with the help of this book and, and as the Spirit of God is teaching you, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. I'm, I'm not your teacher, but the Spirit of God is, is teaching us. And as you read through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, you are going to find even deeper revelation and you're going to find more examples of royalty in God's word. Amen. And so, and even more importantly, you're going to discover the majesty and the royalty that's in your own soul because you are a child of the King of Kings. You are a child of God. And you're, again, you're, I'm going to say this again, you are grafted into the bloodline of royalty through the blood of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to take, we're going to go on this journey together. You know, I, I, I'm going to try to stick to the book, but I know I'm going to deviate often from this book. And I, and I, and I just, and I would love to hear your feedback, you know, feel free to post your, your feedback in the comments here in, in this live video on, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, just, you know, feel free to post your comments and let me know what you think. Let me know what, what you'd like to hear more of. And just, just let me know if this is ministering to you, because I, I, I really want this to be about you and about you coming into the fullness of your calling in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 90 years old, you know, there's something in, there's something in this for you. Amen. And so I want to begin by, and, and I'm going to begin by talking about Meghan Markle. And I'm not going to bring in any of the modern politics uh, about Meghan Markle and all the stuff that's happened to the royal family. And I really don't even take any interest in all the politics. But I was really fascinated when Meghan Markle you know, became part of the British monarchy. And it was kind of nice to read about her perspective, how she being an American citizen and, and, and then, and then have it completely pivoting to, uh, to, to British citizenship and the royalty of England. And, and the reason why I share this with you is I want you to see yourself as pivoting. Of course, you, were, you know, most of us here are American citizens, but I also want you to see yourselves as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, amen? So, and, and our King is, is, is Christ Jesus, our, our King. And, and I'm, I'm just gonna read the first part of chapter one to you. And, and then, then we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. To become a Royal, you must adopt the kingdom's etiquette, protocol and culture. When Meghan Markle became a Royal of the United Kingdom, she immersed herself in the ways of British royalty. To become a Royal, she had to master the etiquette protocol and culture of the United Kingdom. And so before I can teach you about the etiquette, protocol, and the culture of God's word, I need to spend some time with you talking to you about British royalty. And again, if you are an American, like most of us are, we really have very little background other than television about, about royalty. So, so by giving the examples of the British royalty, I believe it will be the stepping stone to helping us understand the royalty that's in God's word. So uh, let's begin by defining three words. So those three words which I use throughout the book are etiquette, protocol, and culture. And etiquette is, and this is just, I think just a, a, a simple definition. It's the customary code of polite behavior in society or among members of a particular profession or group. Now in my professional life in, 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 in the corporate world, there's a certain etiquette I follow. But in, in, in the church, the, the, the etiquette is a little bit different. So wherever you are, there, there is an etiquette that you follow. 
And this is very important in God's kingdom because, you know, even Paul teaches that we become all things to all men. And that means that you, you need to know who your audience is. You need to know where God's calling you to. You know, the most effective ministries in, in throughout history have been the ones that have learned the etiquette, the protocol, and the culture of the places that they go to. For example, the etiquette that you follow here in America will not be the same protocol that it will not be the same etiquette that you implement when you go to India or other countries around the world. So you, you, you need to become accustomed to the behavior of, of, of different cultures. And, and being born in the UK and until I was nine years old, there were certain things, I mean, there was, there was a lot of strictness in, in the way you did things. Even not being part of royalty, there were certain customs in the way you, you, you sip from a cup. And there was just certain things that were different mannerisms that were acceptable and they were much stricter than what what you see here in, in America. And the same thing applies to God's word that we need to we need to understand the etiquette, the protocol and the culture of God's word. So again, the etiquette is the customary code of polite behavior. The second word is protocol. For those of you that are part of Dr. Michelle Corral's ministry about the spirit, you've heard this word protocol a lot. And a simple definition is the official procedure or system of rules governing affairs of state or diplomatic occasions. So uh, it's, it's, it's the accepted uh, code of procedure. So, and, and that, that can include, you know, who do you curtsy to when you're among various royal figures. And it also applies to religious figures as well. And the next word is culture, the customs, the arts, the social, social institutions, achievements, of a particular nation, people, group, etc. So before American actress Meghan Markle be could become a royal, she had to immerse herself in British royalty. And what I want you to know is that as you become royalty in, in God's kingdom, you must learn how to immerse yourself into God's kingdom and immerse yourself into God's word and immerse yourself into prayer and, and into fellowship with, with one another. because and then you're going to gain a true appreciation of the culture of God's word and the protocol and, and the etiquette of God's kingdom. And I just want to read this one phrase to you. Of course, I'm not going to read this book to you, but uh, this, is this is taken from, uh, from CBS Interactive. And it reads, dating and falling in love with Prince Harry was probably the easy part. She had to really be in love with the prince to be willing to give up her American freedoms to adopt the role of a royal. Please note that becoming a royal is not about giving up space in the way most people understand it. A person must make certain sacrifices to become a royal. And here are a couple of examples. For starters, she needs to know who to curtsy to. She, cur she curtsies for the queen, Prince Philip, Prince Charles, Duchess Camilla, William, Kate, Princess Alexandra, but not for Princess Michael or of Kent. And so there's all these, there's all these nuances to protocol, uh, even just on a protocol curtsy. There's even protocols around the way that you, that you sip tea. And so all, she had to master all these various components of royalty. And in our lives, in our walk in God's kingdom, we must learn how to master the, the protocols of God's kingdom because the more, the, the more, the greater grasp you have in God's kingdom of the etiquette, the protocol uh, um, of God's kingdom, the more effective you are going to be in God's kingdom. 
And that means that we learn how to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. See, I truly believe that we are coming into the days where the Holy, where, that God's people are going to become so dead to self that we are going to fulfill Romans 12, 1, where, we, where, where Paul commands us to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And as we learn how to offer our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, what you are going to see take place is that you are going to see the full operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. The, his full operation. You see the full power, the full potency of what he wants to do. Because what I see in effect today in much of the church, and I'm guilty of this as well, is that we, we, that we often see people doing what they want to do and having their own agendas. But so few are focused on the agenda of the kingdom. And the place that we, we should aim to get to, and it doesn't matter if you're ministering from the pulpit, because uh, wherever you are, you are in Christ's ministry and you are operating in God's kingdom. Even if you're operating in a secular job, you are still part of God's kingdom because you are all engrafted into God's kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ. And what needs to take place in our lives is, is a total death to self, a total death to our own will. And our prayer, we should be, as Jesus pray, teaches in the Lord's Prayer, not my will, but, uh, uh, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that God's will be done here in the earth the way God has ordained it to be. Amen? Does that make sense? That means that we are operating under God's rule. It's not our rule, but it's his rule. If you look at John chapter 21, and I won't turn there tonight, but I do encourage you to read it for reference and, and, and for your meditation. After Jesus' resurrection, and, and, you know, and they were sitting at the seashore, and Jesus asked John, the beloved, three times, do you love me? He asked the apostle John, I'm sorry, he asked Peter, not John. He asked Peter three times, do you love me? And each time Peter responded, I love you. And the last time he says, Jesus, I mean, he says, Lord, you know, I love you. You know all things. And Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him that same question the third time. And then Jesus prophesied this response to Peter. He, he prophesied to Peter, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you're going to be carried where you don't want to go. And I want to give you two dimensions to this prophetic word that Jesus gave Peter, because the same prophetic word applies to every one of us here today. The first is when you're young, you went where you wanted to go, meaning that you are operating more in your own free will. You are operating less in the kingdom of God because it was your will that was in operation. And of course, he was, you know, you're operating in God's permissive will. You may say, well, I want to go minister over here. You may say, I want to go minister in, minister in Africa when God's not calling you to Africa. But so you, you're going about doing good things and you're doing it with the right intention, but you're not doing what God is telling you to do. So early in our walks with God, whether you're a pastor, evangelist, whatever aspect of ministry you're serving in, initially when you're young in God, young in ministry, you, you're free to do what you want to do. But as you mature in the things of God and you're operating more and more in the kingdom of heaven, Guess what takes place? Then you're operating in the second part of Jesus' prophecy, which is when you're older, you're going to go where you don't want to go. And that means that, you, that you're going to do what, you, because you've, you've died to self, you submitted your will to God, he's going to send you forth in his kingdom and you're going to operate 
in the fullness of, of, of in the, in even greater authority, but you're no longer doing what you want to do. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. And so, and often when he calls us to do something, it's contrary to our natural inclination. And it's something, and often it's things that we don't want to do. Like, for example, look at the example of Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach repentance. What did Jonah do? He went the opposite. You know, he, he, he bought a ticket to go in the, in the opposite direction. But when he, when he completely submitted to God's will, he was operating in the second half of Jesus' prophecy, and that was to do what he did not want to do. Because Jonah did not want to preach repentance to the very kingdom that was going to destroy Israel in the future. But eventually, Jonah died to self and did exactly what God was commanding him to do. And I mean, look at how effective Jonah's ministry was. Because he was operating in the fullness of God's will, the greatest revival took place probably ever recorded in the Bible. The entire city repented in, the, in a day. I mean, it was just, a, it, was, it was probably one of the greatest works ever done, even greater than a work that you see take place in a Billy Graham crusade years ago. I mean, it was just phenomenal what took place. And this is what I believe this is gonna return back to the body of Christ, is that as we, as the body of Christ, learn how to submit and surrender our will to him, it's not going to be our will in operation, but it's going to be his will. See, Jesus does not take away our free will. When, when, when God, in the creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, in the first part of creation, prior to the creation of man, of male and female, before he created mankind, it, the, the name that's used in the creation is, is the name Elohim. And that name Elohim is a name that denotes God's strict justice. And, and, and that means that when God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the plants, he, 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 he created, when he created all of creation outside of mankind, the name Elohim is used as, as the name that denotes God's strict justice. And that means that the creation did not have free will. For example, the earth does not have the freedom to choose that today I'm not going to orbit the sun, I'm going to do my own thing. Because everything operates by rules that God has put into, into place. But when God created man, the name that was used is not the name Elohim. The name that was used was Elohim Adonai. Translated to English roughly is the Lord God. And, and that name denotes God's attribute of mercy. And so meaning that when God created mankind, he created mankind with mercy in mind, and also he gave us free will. So we have, we have the choice to whether we want to follow him or not follow him. He, he did not create us to be robots. We're not, we're not, we know we're not, not one of us is a robot, but he wants us to freely choose to serve him and to offer him our bodies as a living sacrifice. And when you become a subject of the kingdom of heaven, you must make a choice on whether you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and you must make a choice on whether how fully you want to follow Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer today that through this word and through the anointing that's, that's present here is that we learn how to surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him to have his way in each and every one of our lives. And in the latter part of Jesus' prophecy, when Jesus says, when you're older, you're going to go where you don't want to go. And you're going to be carried where you don't want to go. What Jesus was prophesying to Peter, the the manner in which he was going to lay his life down. And Jesus was prophesying that Peter was going to be hung on a cross and crucified 
And church history teaches us that Peter was crucified, hung upside down on, on, on a cross. Now, we may not be called to lay our lives down as martyrs, but we are called to lay our lives down in surrender to God's will. And we choose to uphold God's will and walk in his will above any other will. And so, and so as we operate in the kingdom, you know, we, we must learn how to operate in a certain, certain sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close here and talk about sensitivity. You know, when you read about all these rules about the kingdom of, 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 of the United Kingdom, for example, let me just give you some of the protocols that Megan had to, had to follow. Don't add milk to your cup before pouring the tea into the cup. Don't stir the spoon in a circular motion after pouring the milk into the cup. Move the spoon in a back and forth motion without hitting, without hitting the sides of the cup after pouring the milk into the cup. See, we, we, and another rule is don't blow on the tea to cool it down. You see, we see all these royal protocols in place in the United Kingdom. And the reason I, I, I highlight these is because it, uh, we, we have rules, we have etiquette, we have protocol in God's kingdom. And the most sensitive person in all of eternity is the person of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to come to a place of where he can use us and make us more effective in our ministries is that we learn how to follow his protocols, that we learn how to immerse ourselves in the ways and the wooing and the moving of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Holy Spirit is the most sensitive, the most delicate person. And, he, and again, at the same time, he's the third person of the Holy Trinity. You know, we have God the Father and we have God the Son. God the Father sent God the Son into the world, as we read about in John chapter 1. And then before Jesus' ascension, he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. And on the 50th day after his resurrection, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and he baptized the church in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been upon this earth for over 2,000 years, and yet he should be the most, he should be the most understood person in the body of Christ, but it turns out he's the least understood. He's the most misunderstood person in the body of Christ. And what we need to learn is we need to come to a place, we need to get back to basics. We need to come to a place of total sensitivity and submission to the Holy Spirit because he's our teacher, he's our helper. You know, when I, can when I teach you, I can only take you so, so far. You read one of my books, you're only gonna go so far. It's the is the Holy Spirit. He is the person that's going to lead you into, into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to reveal Jesus to you. The Holy Spirit, he's the one that's going to help you overcome and resist temptation. He's the one that's going to teach you how to raise your children. He's going to teach you how to advance in your careers. He's the one that's going to teach you how to work, to walk in the fullness of God's will. He's the one that's going to teach you how to pray. He's the one that's going to teach you how to have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with himself. He's going to teach you the protocols in, in your prayer life on how you get from the outer court to the Holy of Holies. See, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to lead you to the deepest dimensions of experience in his presence. See, so many of us, and, and again, I'm guilty of this myself, 
is that so often I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit to do what I want him to do. And I want to conform what he wants to do into my will because I'm selfish. I want him to do what I want him to do. But the, what he really wants from us is that we learn how to die to ourselves and allow him to have his way and to allow him to lead us into all truth. I want the Lord to lead every single aspect of my life. In, in my marriage with Bhavna, in, in, every, in, in ministry, in, in my work life, in, in my professional career, I want him to have his way. And, and I believe that's your prayer as well, as, as well. You know, I don't want to overload you with information. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to just take you through every single page of the book. But I, what I do, my, my prayer tonight is that you are going to receive the grace from heaven to become supernaturally sensitive to the spirit of God. You know, for those of you that, that, that are mothers that have, have raised, uh, you know, uh, uh, mothers, I mean, I, I, and, and I've seen this with, with every mom that I've seen with, with babies, is that they are so sensitive to their children and, and, and they can hear their child crying when nobody else, when nobody else, can, nobody else can. It's like God has given mothers a natural in, in, in intuitiveness in, 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 their, in their souls. And imagine if you had that kind of sensitivity, if we all have that kind of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us not to quench the anointing, not to quench the Spirit of God. But so, much, so many of us have become so numb that we don't even know when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm praying tonight, and as I close tonight, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is going to give every single one of us tonight such a sensitivity to him that we're going to know when he's grieved we're going to know when we're out of his will that we're going to get a check in our spirit that we know that something's not right that we need that we're we're steered off the path that god wants us on and even when you're studying god's word and you're asking the holy spirit to teach you something that you just follow his leading that he will just tell you he'll just lead he'll just direct your fingers and your eyes and direct you to the very scriptures that he, you need to in order to understand biblical things and i'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, and tonight holy spirit i just ask you lord god that you will just move upon everyone that's that's watching and listening to this teaching lord god that that you will provide the grace to everyone that's willing to receive it the grace to walk in supernatural sensitivity to your presence and just have your way lord god tonight in jesus precious name we pray and we all say amen